the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us on the Amp. Underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this free for all Friday edition of the Authority. It's the fourth morning of the of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Really appreciate you being with us. Um, I only glossed over this in a phone call a few minutes ago, so I should probably pay it a little bit of attention, a little bit more. The jobless rate, the unemployment rate in the United States of America in the month of September, dropped 0.2 percentage points to 3.5%. 3.5%. In other words, this country, under the leadership of and the policies directed by Donald J. Trump, this country is at virtually full employment. This is the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. Since December of 1969. 50 years. And it should be pointed out that this unemployment rate is real compared to the the fake unemployment rates under Barack Obama. And you say, what are you talking about? Now you're the one being partisan, Bob. Okay. I'm really not. The unemployment rate in the Obama years was obviously much lower as we recovered from recession than they were at the tail end of the Bush administration when the recession began. And those numbers continued to go down throughout most of the Obama presidency. And people, look at a wonderful job he's got, or he's done. Two things that make it fake news. Those numbers under Obama made them fake news. Number one, the quality of the jobs. 
The, the vast majority of the people who had been laid off during that recession were coming back and taking part-time jobs, under 30 hours a week, part-time jobs that took them off of the unemployment roll, so the numbers went down, but wasn't nearly enough for them to get by. Because of number two, household income, wages, were stagnant, if not still shrinking. In the Trump administration, these numbers are real because, A, Take a look at the wages. The growth of wages in the United States is the highest it's been in over 10 years. Wage growth matters. That means the quality of job matters. Rather than part-time service sector jobs, which were available in the quote-unquote recovery under Barack Obama, Donald Trump has waved the magic wand that Barack Obama said he didn't have and brought back manufacturing jobs, good-paying jobs, full-time jobs with benefits. This country is thriving economically. 0.2% drop in September brings it to 3.5%, the lowest in 50 years. Non-farm payrolls rose by 136,000 in September. Uh, and past numbers were revised higher. August was revised up to 168,000 from the initial estimate of 130, which had everybody going, ooh, that's a slowdown. No, Obviously, wait for the revision. It was 38,000 more than that. July was revised from 159 to 166. That's a net gain in the two previous uh, uh, surveys of 45,000 more. Wages are continuing to grow. Unemployment is continuing to shrink. Number of people needing food stamps and government assistance continues to shrink. And under Obama, we had a record number, over 47 million families on food stamps. I want you to ponder that. Record numbers of people on food stamps, record numbers of people not participating in the labor force, that's what, another reason why I should have added a third. A third reason why the Obama numbers were fake, were fake news, were fraudulent, phony. Because those numbers drop when people don't actually report that they're looking for work. You had so many people who gave up looking for work, not participating in the workforce. The labor force participation rate matters and under uh, uh, President Trump. Um, it's full. People are looking for work and they acknowledge it. Because there are so many jobs out there now, honestly, there are a lot of companies are having a hard time filling them all, particularly for unskilled labor. And before you start saying, well then, Bob, if we have so many unskilled labor jobs, so many manual labor jobs available, why are you so against illegal immigration? They can come in here and do those jobs. No, you're an idiot. The fact that we might have room for more uh, blue-collar workers who are, un, uh, you know, workers in uh, unskilled labor means that we should take advantage of the legal immigration system. We do not reward people who cut in line in front of people who are trying to do it the right way to come here and work those jobs. You don't reward them by giving them those jobs because they got here first. So I just kind of figure it's important to get these numbers out there for you. Again, as you think about what the Democrats are trying to do, the Demon Rats are trying to impeach a president because this president is getting the job done. These kinds of numbers are going to stick in the minds of voters in November and in December and in January and all throughout the ridiculous Democrat primaries and all the way up until Election Day unless they can take America's minds off of those job numbers, off of those uh, economic successes, and keep their minds on fantasies like shakedown phone calls, 
even though the transcript proves that there was no such thing as a shakedown. All right, let's go back to the phones. James has been waiting patiently in Lorraine on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, James, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm good, sir. What's on your mind? I just wanted to make a comment and maybe start a little dialogue about the Constitution. But my first comment is is about the uh, the Rain City uh, School Board. All right. I'd like to send some kudos out to them for having the Pledge of Allegiance reinstated in their their schools. I would Maybe like to do the do same, if I may. I, I would like to do the same uh, as long as I can get a better explanation as to why they removed it in the first place. Um, I saw that story and I posted it. They had no, it was, um, that story ran in the local newspaper um, right after 9-11, that the Lorraine schools did nothing to commemorate 9-11 whatsoever and at the same time announced that they would not be praying, or not praying, excuse me, saying the Pledge of Allegiance any longer. So uh, obviously it's too late to do the you know 9-11 thing, but they did restore the pledge. I still don't know why they, they, they got rid of it in the first place. Well, I'd still like to think, or I'd like to think that you had something to do with not getting reinstated and thank the school board members for participating. Reinstating it. Yeah, I'm and, glad, uh, glad they didn't break that wrong. I would just like to know what's like going I, through their heads. Yeah, yeah, they should be. Uh, maybe they can even, even uh, <laughs> add the uh, plates. The, uh, the hey, James, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you. You're not on a speakerphone, are you? Uh, no. I'm, it, sound, it sounds very tinny and speakery, but uh, it's, it's, I'm having a hard time hearing you. But go on. What did you want to say okay. about the Constitution? I think I'm still on fire for it. Yes, becoming an originalist, and uh, for everybody yeah, out there to read. It. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, James. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you to call back or something because I just can't hear you. If it's not a speaker, then it's a bad cell phone connection, and we got to fix that because I can't hear you. Neither can anybody else. Uh, if that's the case, I'll tell you what. I'll take this as an opportunity to take our break for this half hour. Uh, we'll get a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll see if we can get James back up on the line. And if uh, you are not on the line, here's your chance to get there. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Free for all Friday continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I can respect the work uh, that our man DJ Derek does in selecting our music, but I really, really feel I'm going to have to take this over again. And uh, and, and 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 let's remind everybody about Hunter Biden. I really feel like that's uh, should be. Sleepy Joe says he's going to have Cocaine Hunter on the campaign trail with him. How about that? A guy who got kicked out of the Navy for Coke is going to be accompanying Joe Biden. The same guy who collected $50,000 a month. For those doing the math at home or not doing the math at home, that's $600,000 a year before bonuses. To sit on the board of a company in an industry, natural gas and oil, 
that he had absolutely no experience in. In a country that speaks a language that he couldn't burp in. Didn't know Ukrainian. Didn't know anything about natural gas. Didn't know anything about oil. But was invited to sit on the board of this company. Still trying to figure out what he did during board meetings. Either Tetris or Angry Birds. Maybe just Snapchats. Maybe took selfies during the meetings. That's Sleepy Joe Biden's cocaine-addled son, Hunter Biden, who is now going to be a spokesman for his campaign for president. He's going to appear on the campaign trail. I can't get enough of that. I absolutely love it. And you know who else I I expect is going to love it? Donald Trump. (laughs) If, If Joe is the nominee, can you already see the debates? Can you already see the debates? Can you hear Donald Trump up there mocking Joe Biden right to his face about his cokehead son? And I'll again ask the same question that I've asked many, many times and others have too. Can you even begin to comprehend or fathom if Donald Trump's son was a cokehead and if Donald Trump's son had taken a $600,000 a year job on a foreign board uh, owned by an oligarch who was tied to, uh, through corrupt means to the Ukrainian government when he didn't speak that language, did not know anything about those industries, and was only being appointed to that position to gain favor and access to the Trump White House. Can you imagine if Don Jr. or Eric Trump were Hunter Biden? Oh, can you? CNN. CNN, MSNBC, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to not say things here that would violate our license with the FCC about what they would be doing um, in the offices and on the studios when the cameras were off, uh, if that was the case, uh, the way that they would cover it. The way they would be covering if the, if there was a discovery of Don Jr. or Eric Trump sitting on a foreign board uh, and uh, and providing access to the Trump White House by giving him a job he has no qualifications for whatsoever. I, he, like I said, I'll stop there. You can let your imagination run as wild as you wish. All right, John called back. I uh, wanted to get his final thoughts. He wanted to say something else about the Constitution. John, are you there? Yeah, hey, Bob. How you doing, buddy? Okay, Great so what, what did you want to say about the, uh, co- uh, the um, Constitution? Well, actually... Uh, the point I wanted to ask you is, I just want to ask you a question and then I want to, I'm going to hang up with your opinion. You know, the whole situation started in 26, 2018 because I really blame the situation that's going on in Washington on the shoulders of the American voter because they're the ones that put the Democrats in power and now we're reaping the whirlwind. And, um, I just want to know your thoughts on that because it seems like Thomas Jefferson's predictions are coming through true the greatest danger we have to this country is the uninformed electorate and it seems like that happened in 2018 
Great show, Bob, and God bless right. you and your Th- family. Thank you, John. I appreciate the phone call. I would correct one thing uh, from, from what Jefferson said and what you just said. It's not the uh, uninformed electorate um, that is to blame for the Democrat control of the House right now and being the majority party in Congress, or at least that side of Congress. It's the misinformed electorate. And there's a difference. The uninformed electorate doesn't care. The uninformed electorate electorate doesn't do the homework, doesn't try to find out what's going on, doesn't cast votes with a with a you know with a mind uh, uh, that has been made up by research and by you know history and by policy and platform and so on and so forth. That's uninformed. If you don't want to do the homework, that's uninformed. Misinformed is informed is a different uh <coughs> excuse me, animal altogether. The Jokesters I just uh, made fun of, CNN and MSNBC, I'll just go ahead and throw them all in there. Just do your alphabet here. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, and now the NYT, uh, the uh, um, uh, Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Los Angeles Times, the biggest newspapers in America, the uh, uh, biggest broadcast networks, all of the broadcast networks in America, and now you add to it online media, by way of Twitter and Facebook, which are blatantly liberal in their uh, in their uh, political ideologies, and moreover, they are blatantly censoring conservatives who are to the right of their ideologies. So you add all of those things up, and you have a misinformed electorate. That's what you have. And that's why things go the way they go sometimes. Because all of these organizations are carrying the water for the demon rats. They are literally their, their campaign, you know, uh, media arms, if you will. Rather than being journalists, they are just anti-Trumpers in every corner. They were anti-Bushers for eight years. And I could go back. In fact, I may play something for you after the bottom of the hour news. They'll kind of underscore that. Um, you know, we always talk about how Donald Trump is being mistreated worse than anybody else ever. In, in a close second place was, was George W. Bush. And I can share some things with you by way of my friend Larry Elder after the bottom of the hour and share that with you coming up. But, um, yeah, it's the misinformed electorate. It is an amazing thing to me. And I mean amazing, remarkable, borderline miracle, miraculous, that enough voters in the right states, were paying attention to talk shows like this one in cities all over the country, paying attention to uh, fair and balanced news sources, and were able to see through all of the muck and the misinformation provided by the mainstream media and were able to cast their votes for President Trump to give us that, at least, um, in 2016. That, that, that's seriously an amazing thing. And a very comfortable victory, by the way, 306 to 223 in the Electoral College. So, uh, it's an amazing thing to me because the misinformation of the American public is real and it is coordinated and it is continuing. And sadly, as we get closer to 2020, it's growing. It's expanding. More of your phone calls coming right up after the news on AM 1420, the answer. some more audio I want you to listen to coming up here in a bit. It's 1034, by the way, uh, on the Bob France Authority. 26 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Uh, But I'll get a call or two more in here before I give you the audio. I don't want to make uh, Ricky wait too much longer. Ricky is in Illyria, and now he's on AM 1420, The Answer. Ricky, good morning. Go right ahead. Uh, Yeah, I got a question in regards to the situation in Dallas. 
my sister called me and asked me this question, and I told her I was thinking the same thing. Why is that woman going to jail? Everything that happened was a mistake. She was honest about everything that I'm aware of, and I'm confused. Maybe you can explain it. Um, she killed somebody. That's why she's going to jail. Well, I understand that. If but I when um, you look at all of the situations, it was an honest mistake. Well, you're right. It, it was an honest, honest mistake, um, and and there's no doubt. That's why she got ten years instead of ninety nine. Um, to me, I think the jury was pressured by the times that we are in right now. This is a police officer who's white who mistakenly walked into the wrong apartment, saw a person in what she thought was her apartment, and said, that's an intruder, I'm in danger, and shot him. Um, it is a mistake, uh, but this is a white police officer and a black person in his apartment that she, who's innocently in, in, in his apartment listening to music, and, and she shot him. And, and that, that part of this, the, the racial component of this, the police versus... Uh, the public uh, battle lines that have been drawn in today's society played a role in this that I think led the jury to deciding guilty of murder instead of what they should have decided, which is negligent homicide or um, involuntary manslaughter. Now, involuntary manslaughter probably would have been hard to prove because she did voluntarily shoot him, thinking it was an intruder. But I think that negligent homicide was on the table there as well, and they could have decided for a lesser verdict of negligent homicide, which I think it was. But I think the the times that we're in, the, the, the racial component here, I mean, even after the sentencing of 10 years, they were screaming in the courtroom, no justice, no peace. So there was a big you know reaction in the general public there. So I think the jury was really pressured into coming back with something bigger than just negligent homicide. But in my opinion, it was pretty much just that. It was a negligent homicide. Well, let's put it this way. I will say this much. I was impressed, and I thank the Lord for that brother and that judge. Those two were the, in my opinion, were the 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 the, the ones that really showed compassion to the whole situation. Ricky, you're a hundred percent correct. I um I like a lot of other people. I was really moved by that, and I uh, I posted. Thanks for the call, my friend. I posted about it. And here's what I said. God's grace truly lives inside and flows through this man. Speaking of Brant Jean, the uh, brother of the uh, of the murdered Botham Jean, who was shot by the police officer Amber Geiger. And I wrote that if you're looking for hope in these trying times, if you're looking for something to believe in, something to lift you up, you'll find it here. And, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I was going to play this at the end of yesterday's show and I ran out of time. So maybe this is a good time to do it. But I will ask this question, too, and see if people agree with me. Um, as obviously you do, Ricky, because you don't think she should be in jail at all. I'm going to disagree to the extent that if you're driving your car and you're negligent because you're texting, for example, if you make a mistake in, in your driving, not, and I'm not talking about a kid runs in front of your car and you have no control. Talking about if you have control and you are not paying attention, if you're changing radio stations, if you're texting, like I said, answering a call, whatever it is you're doing, if you're driving and you, through your own neglect, kill somebody, it's an accident through and through. 
but a life has been taken and 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 punishment must be meted out justice much must be done to some extent clearly that person who accidentally you know hits and kills somebody with their car isn't going to be sentenced to 99 years but there has to be some kind of a negligent homicide um conviction that has to follow that and a life is gone and in this case very similarly a life is taken um, by all means and all descriptions a truly good and decent and honorable citizen both of Jean was described in all of those ways by virtually everybody who knew him um, his family in particular his brother is just so gracious if you know if, if he was anything in life the way the brother presents now at age 18 then I think everything they said about him is true and he's dead and somebody shot him and killed him there has to be recourse for that. There has to be some sort of 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 consequence for that. Uh, but for those who wanted to convict her of first-degree murder and those who were screaming, no justice, no peace, and she should have been given 99 years in prison because she shot and killed somebody, um, stop. In all seriousness, just stop. They want you to believe that this police officer, coming off of a 13-hour shift, exhausted, and, by the way, in the middle of a texting conversation as she came to her apartment with her boyfriend or whomever it is, a co-worker, that she wanted to get together with. They want you to believe that this person intentionally parked on the wrong level of the parking garage, and that's how this works for those who don't know what happened. This is one of those apartment buildings with an attached garage where the levels of the garage have an entryway, entryway right into the hallways of the apartments. All right? She parked on the wrong wrong floor and got out and walked to the wrong door, what she thought would be her apartment, which was, uh, you know, the same spot on the on, on her floor was on this floor, and the door was open, so she walked right in. And again, we told you the story. She saw uh, somebody there who got up and walked toward her. It was both the machine is like, or Jean is like, who are you? What are you doing here? And in her mind, oh my God, somebody's in my apartment. He's coming toward me, and so she shot him, center mass. But they want you to believe that this girl, this this woman, rather, who was just coming off a 13-hour shift, and again, distracted by her own text messaging with the, the, the guy that she was trying to meet up with, um, decided also to stop off and just commit a murder. Intentionally went to the wrong floor, intentionally went into an apartment that was not her own, and intentionally shot and killed somebody she had never met before. Just for kicks. <laughs> just because... I'm going to go there and shoot somebody. Um, this was in no way intentional. It was in no way something that was premeditated. Um, that's why I think the murder charge was was too strong. I think she needs to pay a price for her absent-mindedness and for the fact that her neglect caused a death. That's what negligent homicide means. You're negligent, and somebody is dead because of it. And I think that should have been the conviction, and I think that should have been the sentence. And it probably would have been a little bit less than what she got. But as it stands, she got 10 years. She's eligible for parole in five. And the brother of both of Jean, or Jean, it's J-E-A-N, and it's pronounced kind of French, um, Brandt is his name, gave a witness impact statement that has impacted a lot more people than just the people in that courtroom, including myself.
all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but... Can can I give her a hug, please? Please. What happens next is highly unusual because judges and security bailiffs are supposed to keep witnesses, family members, and victims' family members away from defendants so nothing bad happens. But instead, the judge allowed Brant Jean to hug Amber Geiger in a long, tearful embrace. That hug lasted at least 20, 25 seconds. <laughs> that is the convicted shooter, Amber Geiger, crying. Then they went back in for more hugs. I'll, uh, I'll end the audio there because, again, it's a visual thing here as they embraced. Uh, she sobbed in his arms, and he held her and comforted her. Um, what I don't have for you, and it, there's no words anyway, um, is the embrace also made um, with Amber Geiger by the judge. The judge in this, uh, in this case, uh, Judge Tammy Kemp, is also an African-American. And again, none of that should matter. None of that should matter at all in this story or any other, quite frankly. But since it's 2019 and since both the machine was an African-American and uh, Amber Geiger is a Caucasian female police officer, uh, people are going to say it does matter. Brant Jean 
is the, the, the brother you just heard, obviously also African-American, offering words of support, saying he doesn't even want her to go to jail, telling her to give her life over to Christ, to seek forgiveness. He already forgives her. The judge is also African-American, and she came up and hugged Amber Geiger as well after this, which is an almost unprecedented thing, and gave her a Bible to take with her to her prison cell. Again, God's grace is real, God's grace is true, and God's grace can sometimes be found in the most unexpected places. The brother of a murder victim, or of a a homicide victim, and the judge in the case that sentenced her to 10 years in prison, offering her comfort and words of strength through their faith, obviously, and what they hope will be her faith as well. And um, it's really a remarkable thing. It's one of the saddest stories I've seen in a very long time. It really is one of the saddest things I've seen pretty much anywhere ever. I f- there's nobody, I don't think there's a bad guy here. You have an innocent man getting shot in his apartment. He's a victim. You have an innocent family that is now lost without their loved one. And you have a shooter who, by virtually every single aspect of the evidence, had no intention of committing a murder. She walked into the wrong apartment, distracted and tired after a 13-hour shift, and thought there was somebody in her apartment, and pulled out her service uh, weapon and fired and killed him. And uh, she's a victim in this, too. And she's going to pay the price for what she did for the next five to ten years um, in a in a Texas state penitentiary. It's just very sad. Um, Christian is in uh, Menor. What an appropriate time to bring Christian onto the line as we just had that conversation. Uh, and they offered uh, uh, Amber Geiger their, um, their forgiveness uh, and asking that she turn herself over to Christ. What a perfect name you have, Christian. Good morning. Go right ahead. Thank you. Very touchy story, Bob. I wasn't going off with this story, but, oh, man, it really touched me. It seriously did. And, you know, um, the police officer, she definitely deserves to be punished for what she did, just as anybody should. Right. But when you bring the no justice, no peace crowd in and turn it into politics, that is sickening. You see, that's where they go off and they lose people. And that's the problem that they have. But anyways, that wasn't what I was going to talk about. I was going to go into um, the response about the impeachment sure, go and uh, what was going on. Yeah, so anyways, you can do that. Um, yeah. Um, so the reason I think that we are here right now with impeachment is due to three people. Number one, Paul Ryan, John McCain, and Chuck Schumer. Back in the day when President Trump first got in office and they were calling for special prosecutor to step in for the Russia collusion hearing to have somebody step in and use and Paul Ryan directly and McCain were pushing this on our side. He had nobody defending him stepping up saying, Hey, let's step back and look and see what's really going on here. And now this is what we've, this is the fruition. This is what we've come. What has come out of it. They have just kept going and going and going. And, you know, Schumer probably is connected to all this, with with uh, Adam Schiff and everybody else over there, he's been awfully quiet as of late, you know. But um, I do think that Pelosi and her uh, minions—they're trying to sway enough people for this coming up election that they think that they may pick up enough 
people in the Senate, enough senators to flip the Senate so that they can control Congress and Senate. And guess what, then, if the president wins? You know, that's my theory. And uh, so... We shall see what... Uh, yeah, you know what, Christian? You, you make a lot of great uh, points. You make a lot of great sense. And there are a lot of theories that are similar to your... And thank you for the phone call. I do appreciate it. I don't have a ton of time. <laughs> excuse me. I don't have a ton of time to react to all of that now as it is 1052. But I do appreciate it. Thanks so much. I got time for maybe two two more phone calls, maybe, before we're done. After this final timeout on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1054, the Bob France Authority. Final segment uh, coming up here. we got six minutes left. I'm going to spend the majority of these six minutes sharing something with you that I promised about a half an hour ago, and I want to deliver at least part of it now. The Larry Elder Show, uh, uh, Larry Elder, my good friend, the sage uh, from uh, South Central, sage of South Central, um, is also doing videos for uh, Epoch Times, and um, it, it's these are often amazing. And this, this one is in particularly, I think, important right now as we watch and always talk about how the President of the United States is facing harassment and accusations, et cetera, et cetera, unlike anything any president has ever faced. A close second was George W. Bush. As evidenced here, the hate has been going on from the left and from the media for many, many, many years, going with predates Donald Trump, as explained here in the Haters Quiz, hosted by Larry Elder for Epoch Times. If you think the vicious anti-Donald Trump rhetoric is something new, think again. The left has used harsh over-the-top language against Republicans and conservatives for a very long time. Don't believe me? Let's take a multiple-choice quiz, okay? Who said this? The George W. Bush administration and the Nazi and communist regimes all engaged in politics of fear. Indeed, the Bush administration has been able to improve on the techniques used by the Nazi and communist propaganda machines. Was it A, Miss Piggy, B, Lady Gaga, C, the dog whisperer, or D, George Soros, billionaire Democratic supporter? And the answer is... I want to read to you a quote that sort of startled me, I'm sure a lot of your readers, once they read it. The Bush administration and the Nazi and communist regimes all engaged in, engaged in the politics of fear. Indeed, the Bush administration has been able to improve on the technique used by the Nazi and communist propaganda machines by drawing on the innovations of the advertising and marketing industries. Mm -hmm. Now, when a lot of people hear comparisons between President Bush and Nazis and communists, they're going to say, George Soros, you've gone over the top. A lot of people will agree with you on that. But where they they will starkly disagree is to then bring in the whole Nazi and communist comparison. Uh, You you are actually, it's a valid point, and and, uh, maybe I did go over the line. Uh, uh, Wow. Improved on the techniques used by the Nazi and communist regimes? Okay. Who said this one? George W. Bush's executive branch has made it a practice to try and control and intimidate news organizations from PBS to CBS to Newsweek. And every day they unleash squadrons of digital brown shirts to harass and hector any journalist who is critical of the president. Was this A, Dan Rather, B, Katie Couric, C, Helen Thomas, or D, Al Gore, Nobel laureate? Well, that would be Al, an inconvenient truth, Gore. 
And by the way, here's a photo of the gentleman to whom he was referring. Digital brown shirts. Okay, who said this? Republicans are coming for our children. They're coming for the poor. They're coming for the sick, the elderly, and the disabled. A, Mother Teresa. B, the Grim Reaper. C, Jack Bauer. D, Representative John Lewis, Democrat of Georgia. And the winner is... I know racism when I see it. Hey, he knows racism when he sees it, right? Here's the next one. Who said this? The contest between Democrats and Republicans is a struggle of good and evil, and we're the good. A, Wolverine. B, Spider-Man. C, Robocop. D, Howard Dean. Then the Democratic National Committee chairman. <laughs> Wins easy. And the winner is... And that's where we're going to leave this one. There were a couple of others uh, that Larry asked on here on the Haters Quiz. I, I loved it when I watched it. I wanted to share it with you just a little bit because, um, again, this is, this is the fight. This isn't just about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the latest and the greatest victim of what they've done. But they did the same thing to the Bush team. They did the same thing to the previous Bush and the, the Reagan presidencies. This is who and what they are. And that is what we are fighting against. That's all the time we've got for this edition of The Authority. Thanks so much for being a part of the conversation. Eddie, really enjoyed it on a free-for-all. A lot of great phone calls, a lot of great discussions. Uh, enjoy your weekend. If you got high school football tonight, enjoy that. I know I will. And uh, we're back on Monday for the next edition. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll see you. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.